Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Abide in Liberty this week. This is the first of a two-part series talking about the topic of discipline. I want to start today by sharing a story that I hope will illustrate the principles I want to talk about today and next week, a story about my dog, Strider. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you may recall an episode that I did on the danger of anger and how this lovely puppy on one particular morning had me chasing him all over our property and the adjacent school property. It's about 30 acres in total. And it was just, I felt like he was toying with me. He was just keeping out of reach. He knew he was supposed to come. He knew what I was asking because we had trained on this and he had done it before many, many times, but he was having just a grand old time exploring this property and not having to come and do anything that I told him to. And then my wife shows up. I finally am frustrated. I'd been kicking cactus and had spines all up in my shoes. Um, Called my wife, asking for help. She pulls up, comes and drives out to where I'm at, yells, hey, Strider, come here. And he runs up, tail wagon, is so happy to see her. And that was the end of it. And I was, <laughs> was livid after this. It was hot. Um, I was hurting. And he had just been toying with me. And he won. He got the best of me. That was a battle of wills that I lost thoroughly. Well, prior to this time, we had done a pretty good job. You know, we, my wife and I had never owned a high energy dog like this. He's part German short-haired pointer and part lab. Um, very high energy, very high intelligence, kind of the, the quintessential hunting dog. So we had been training and working with him. I mean, so this is the, before I get to that, this is the type of dog that in order to maintain a healthy lifestyle needs to run or walk about six miles a day. So we knew we were getting into this and we wanted him to be able to free roam and take advantage of the space that we have in our area and around where we're at. And about the time that this story happened, uh, he had gotten big enough that hunting mode set in full bore. So he had the energy of a puppy, the body of a, of a medium-sized dog, and his nose was just constantly going and was just all over the place. And from that point on, became very unruly. Well, eventually, um, I, I kind of had enough. It was, a, we were at the point where, you know, it wasn't safe for him to just be running wherever and whenever we were, you know, the times that we had to let him out were in the morning, but when it was time for him to come in so that we could go about our day or go to school. He was nowhere to be found. So we were left with the decision. We either have to keep him cooped up all the time or on, you know, like tied to a rope, which isn't good and isn't what we wanted for him and isn't what is best for him, especially with the level of energy that he has. Um, so I decided to start doing research. We asked, you know, people that we know that um, had experienced training dogs. We had hired a dog trainer to help us with keep this guy contained. So we're talking to her using YouTube and finally came to the decision that we needed to do a couple of things. We needed to, number one, both amplify 
the positive reinforcement that we were giving good behavior, but there weren't very many opportunities for that because as soon as we let him out, it was all bad behavior, but we also needed to amplify the negative consequences for not, um, for not obeying, for not listening. We needed to make the, uh, the incentive to obey stronger than the incentive not to obey. And what he learned from that experience dragging me all over kingdom come was that there was a really high incentive for him not to listen at all because he got exactly what he wanted. He was able to explore more area because I was going with him supposedly. And then at the end of the day, my wife, Bonnie gets to come out and he gets all kinds of love and attention, um, which she didn't do anything wrong there. We just needed to get him back. But, um, you know, this was not a behavior we wanted to reinforce. So we decided to go with an e-collar. And what that is, is there's a a vibrate feature. So this isn't electrocution, like when you think of a shock collar, although it does have that capability, but it vibrates against their neck and it bothers them. So you train them to, you know, the way that that nuisance stops is if they do what you ask them to do. So while they're not doing it, it vibrates. And as soon as they do what they're supposed to, it stops, which is a, you know, kind of a negative positive deal all wrapped up into one. And then for extreme cases or in cases where their health can be in danger, like coming up on a rattlesnake or a poisonous toad or something like that, you can use that shock feature or if they're just refusing to listen. Um, but what I found through all of this, and it worked beautifully within a very short amount of time, we were able to get back to the training that we had already established before, but then move well past it to the point now where he's incredibly well-behaved. He can be outside anytime that we're outside, um, so long as he's got that collar on. And he's even getting to the point where before too much longer, I don't think he's going to need that aid, but he's able to be outside far more. He's able to roam and run and explore and get all that energy out. He has way more freedom than he ever did. And that has created space where um, there's good behavior now and lots of it that I can praise and reinforce to in order to kind of help him develop those good behaviors and curb the bad ones. So a couple of days ago, you know, this has been going on now for a month or so of me really honing in on getting this training down. And I sat down with the kids last night to you know, give a little parenting moment to, to teach a principle, kind of like I'm doing here. But, you know, I was explaining that I, I started off by asking them, do you think Strider's happier now than he was before? And of course they said, no, he seems way happier. And, and he's obviously way happier. Um, and I asked him what the difference was. And they talked about how we'd gotten this collar, but it made it so that he was able to safely go and do all these things. And so I drew the parallel that, you know, sometimes we as parents enforce negative consequences on them, but like, like with this dog, the reason why we do that isn't because we don't like them, but it's in fact, because we want to help them develop skills that will allow us to give them more freedom, more responsibility. Um, And they kind of, they kind of chuckled and, you know, they, (laughs) I think they realized they'd been baited into this little bit of a trap, but at the same point, they they kind of understood the principle, even though they admittedly didn't like it, how that, you know, when that applies to them, but that they can, they can see what I was saying. All right. Well, as I thought about that more, and as I started, you know, as I continued to listen to news stories 
about people and cities that are out of control, about all of the different attacks on the family, I came to a realization that um, that a lack of discipline is literally destroying our country and is eroding the moral fabric of our society and has been doing so for a very long time now. I'm going to repeat a couple of my favorite quotes from the founding era. The first is from John Adams. He said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And then Benjamin Franklin clarified what that meant. This wasn't just the founding fathers being lazy and saying, yeah, we're only going to make this government work if everyone's really trying to be good, if everyone's moral and religious. Um, But Benjamin Franklin explained, he said, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have need of more masters. So what John Adams and Benjamin Franklin are saying, and they're echoing what Thomas Jefferson said when he said that people have got to be in a position where they're trying to govern themselves at the thought level. So it's not enough just to not kill people, but we need to be trying to not be angry. It's not enough to just not commit adultery. We need to try to even suppress lustful thoughts. And if you have a society that's doing that, they are capable of maximum freedom because they are disciplining and governing themselves. And the people that does that is capable of, surprise, surprise, governing itself. But even so, if you have adults or parents that are disciplining and governing themselves at that level, you still need to have those adults disciplining the rising generation, their children, to create that same kind of self-discipline. And not only that, but kids will continue to need guidance. You can't just leave them to their own devices or like my dog, they'll end up just getting themselves hurt and not being able to realize their full potential. But even even if we have a society that is really doing its best to do that, that is raising the rising generation, we live in a fallen world. People aren't perfect. Society isn't perfect. And even if we're doing our best, we will still have mistakes. People will still make mistakes and there will still be bad actors. There will still be evil that will try to get its way. Despite knowing all of this, we have a society where discipline is falling quickly out of favor and the do what feels good culture, anything goes. There is no impulse control, and it's not impulse control is not even seen as a good thing. It's seen as somehow being untrue to your real self, whatever the heck that's supposed to mean. Also, in this day and age, permissive parenting, where um, being friends with your kids is more important than being parents and being the adults is gaining in popularity. This also in a culture where we think it's appropriate to put children in charge of making major life-altering decisions of all sorts. And not only that, but there is a a societal level lack of discipline, accountability, and consequences. And we see this in the rising crime rates in major cities throughout the country. And even in small cities and small communities, we see this happening in real time. So the first thing I want to do today is re-enthrone discipline as an eternal principle. Now, I did just say that uh, lack of discipline is destroying this country. If you've listened to 
this podcast at all, you might say, but I thought you've said before that lack of God is what's destroying this country. Now, first of all, more than one thing can be work at work uh, destroying this country, but really, discipline and God are synonymous. I'm really talking about the same thing in both of these cases. God is all about self-control and discipline. That's what being obedient to God's commandments is. It's controlling our base urges, our base desires, and subjecting them to something that is higher than ourselves because we trust that that thing that created us maybe knows a little bit more about what can truly make us happy than we do. And it would be as silly for me to look at God and say, you don't know what's best for me. It'd be just as silly for me to say that as it would be for my dog to look at me and and say that I'm an idiot for thinking that discipline in his case is going to make him any happier. To kind of drive home this point of the importance of discipline, I was uh, team teaching a Sunday school class. I may have told this story before. If I have, you know, forgive me, bear with me, but I was teaching a Sunday school class, team teaching, and the other teacher, as we were talking, as we first kind of got paired up and we were talking about how we wanted to manage the class, um, my suggestion was, you know, it, it's kind of tough. I'm I'm a, a school teacher, so, you know, there are certain disciplinary methods that we use in a school. They don't really work in a Sunday school where you meet once a week or once every other week for an hour. There's really not time to establish that that kind of relationship and those kind of disciplinary methods. My idea was I'm going to give everybody a single starburst at the beginning of class and for every inappropriate classroom behavior, speaking out of turn, making comments just for the intent to be funny, but not actually trying to advance the discussion, they would lose a starburst. But for every time they participated in a positive way, shared their thoughts, their heartfelt thoughts, or even for those that just struggled being Uh, that were really shy, if they were just sitting there and actively engaged and listening, they would gain a starburst. So they could max out at five starbursts or they could lose them all and go home with nothing. Well, when I presented this idea, this other teacher said, no, that's ridiculous. These are 12 and 13 year olds. We're at church. They should be good and listen just because it's the right thing to do. Now that may resonate with many of you, but when you think about it, God doesn't expect that of anybody, of you or I, the oldest or the youngest of us. He has a system of rewards and punishments in place to incentivize us to participate in good behaviors and to disincentivize us from participating in poor behavior. So when we follow his commandments, we're blessed. We have peace in our lives. When we go out and serve somebody else, we're blessed with this kind of euphoric sense of well-being where, you know, the <laughs> we've sacrificed our time, yet somehow both the person served and the person serving feel better about life and about themselves. Um, And that's just one small example, but we could go on and, and you could, I'm sure, outline many of those. But on the flip side, if we don't follow his commandments, then oftentimes those, um, those disobediences lead to things like addiction, which restrict our agency and ability to choose. And ultimately they can lead to punishment in the eternal world. And also, for those who are doing what's right, there's happiness and eternal bliss in the next life. So, God, this idea of incentives, of blessings, and positive reinforcement when we do good, and negative reinforcement or punishments when we don't, is an eternal principle. And God uses that for the old and the young alike. So, to expect 
than anybody, our children, ourselves, to to respond from a completely altruistic point of view, at least at first, is simply unrealistic. Now, we may get to the point where after a lifetime, or maybe even many years or decades of living a life where we are consistently blessed, um, that can have a purifying effect where it can lead us to doing what's right because we love God, doing what's right for its own sake without any expectation of any kind of reward. But we don't, that, that's a further, that's a more advanced level of discipleship. That's a more advanced level of obedience and love for God that you cannot attain without first traversing through and taking advantage of and having those incentives, both for good and for ill, applied in your behalf. You just don't get there. That It is an absolutely crucial point. And I would venture to say that there probably are not very many people on this planet who get to that point before they die that are completely... Um, that are completely indifferent to whether there is eternal bliss or eternal punishment coming on the other side of death. That that, that people that that factors that doesn't factor in at all. Now I believe that they're out there, and they may be more than I I think. This might be more of a commentary on where I'm at in my personal progression than anything. But what I do know is you don't get to that point without incentives in place for a very extended period of time um, to help you want to be good. And help you be a little bit afraid of what will happen if you don't. It's also important to note that these incentives, without these incentives, without this understanding and expectation of either eternal punishment or reward, the incentives for self-control are almost non-existent. If you're not worried about what is going to happen in the next life, then doing what feels good today Doing what feels good now, so long as you can get away with it, makes perfect sense. How would you come to any other logical conclusion? But if you truly believe that there's something waiting on the other side for you, that you're going to have to make an accounting for what you've done here, you're going to think twice before doing something, even if you could get away with it. Even if you could get away with that impure thought that would not be doing your wife a service at all. Even if you could get away with those angry feelings that you just let fester and simmer. Um, even if you could get away with it, you're going to think twice before doing it. And that does have an impact on behavior. And you don't have to look any farther than the progression of our culture since we have systematically removed God from every aspect of it to see evidence of that. Correlation isn't causation, but when God says it is, that's pretty good. You can take that to the bank. So anytime we're talking about discipline, it's important to for our kids, for our society, it's important to keep God's pattern in line. He is the perfect father. He is the perfect king. He is the perfect governor. And so anything that we do, we should try our best to mirror the way that he would treat us, the way that he would apply both incentives and punishments for behavior. All right, guys. I think we've set this up. That's all we have time for today. Make sure and come back next week so we can wrap this up. I want to talk specifically about uh, disciplining children and then how those principles and how what we do in our home reflects on the society at large and is um, an enormous factor in explaining where we've come to as a society. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to Abide in Liberty. 
Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family. In the meantime, keep up with the show online at AbideInLiberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K-12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting LibertyYouthAcademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and be strong.